The following is a Down with a Dig production. This is Ohio Laborers Union and you, helping laborers understand the benefits of being part of a great union. Welcome to another episode of Ohio Laborers Union and You. I'm your host, Bethany Billy. With us today, we have Steve Farner. He is the Assistant uh, Regional Manager of the Ohio Valley and Southern States Regional Office, and he is also the Executive Director in the General President's Office in Layuna. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Bethany. Glad to be here. Now, Steve, you are part of uh, the Labor's International Union of North America. Can you tell everybody what that exactly is? Well, uh, I'll do my best. We're a labor organization, obviously, 500,000 members strong primarily in the construction industry, but not limited to construction, Um, represent uh, workers all over the United States and Canada. And um, the international portion of that is kind of the the overriding parent organization to all of our affiliates in all of that area. And as Ohio, we are one of um, your larger affiliates, correct? That's correct. And in the Ohio Valley Southern uh, States region, what does that cover besides Ohio? So let's, uh, that's a good quiz for me, I guess, to start off with. In addition to Ohio, you have Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Florida, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi. I think that's it. I think that covers it. And Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. I notice a little twang in your voice. Are you from one of those <laughs> Southern states? Uh, more than just a little, Bethany. Uh, yes, I'm actually, uh, I grew up in East Tennessee, which actually has more twang than uh, other parts of Tennessee. And uh, you joined the laborers quite young, is that correct? I did. I first joined in uh, December of 1984. And what led you to the laborers? Uh, so my my father, both of my older brothers, uh, my uh, uncles, uh, Brothers-in-law uh, were all in the laborers, and uh, it was just the thing you did uh, where I come from. So when you first started, what kind of uh, work did you do? What local did you join, and did you join as an apprentice? Were you a journeyman? How did that? How did your um, growth start? So way, way back then, Bethany, uh, a, apprenticeship wasn't, uh, wasn't a thing that was afforded to laborers. Uh, there could have been somewhere, but certainly not in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I, where I was from, um, we actually, you, you know, you, you went to work just like, uh, just like anybody else. You know, the opportunity was that, uh, uh, when there was work, if there was, was a demand. And so, uh, I was actually on, um, Christmas break. I was a senior in high school. I turned 18 on December 5th, 1984. And, uh, there was a shutdown or a turnaround as some people like to call it at the local uh, paper mill. And uh, that's so there was demand, the local needed hands. And so, uh, you know, I went to the union hall 630 in the morning. Back then we shaped up, too. So you had to go there, wait until there was a call that uh, was needed uh, when you were needed. And once you got that, you could, uh, you know, you're offered the opportunity to initiate. Then. So that's what happened for me. Um, I initiated there was a was a big turnaround going down over over the Christmas break, but that was also part of a uh, a, a big uh, uh, expansion contract, a capital project that was going on. Rust Engineering had, 
So I was lucky enough, I guess, to uh, continue working even after the shutdown was over. So I was still a senior in high school, but I worked a night shift on this uh, paper mill project. Uh, Steve, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think I hear a little background noise. Yeah, sorry about that, Bethany. That's uh, that's my dogs. Um, oh, what kind they'll, of dog? They'll behave. I have we have two beagles, um, so they're uh, sometimes they nap at Lent, and sometimes they're a little rowdy. <laughs> so they pick this time to play. Of course. Uh, getting back to it. So you were in Tennessee, you were a senior in high school, and you were a laborer at the paper mill. Did How did your career progress from there? Because I know, you know, down the road, you ended up being business manager of that local, correct? Yeah, I did. I, you know, honestly, I had no intention of, uh, of, of that, you know, being my career. I was, uh, I spent the next five years uh, going to college and working. Uh, so I would work summers, uh, you know, to take a semester off uh to work uh and uh ultimately you know five years later i graduated from college and uh went back to the union hall signed the out of work list and went to work <laughs> it's that easy huh <laughs> well so i mean that's that, that was actually uh, uh and that, that was in 1990 times were uh, uh pretty difficult there weren't a lot of jobs out there so uh, but there was some work out of Union Hall, and so I was able to go to work and was glad to, glad to be able to, glad to have that union book in my pocket. I bet. And then tell me about becoming business manager. The year that, uh, that I graduated from college, I was working out of the Union Hall. There was an election in my home local, and um, my brother was elected. My oldest brother was elected president of the local. And the first meeting he chaired was a uh, nominations meeting to a um, – uh, to the convention. After we returned home a few months later, the district council manager, uh, you know, I think, encouraged the local union to hire me. Uh, you know, thought I had some talent. Maybe I had something to offer. And uh, so I was offered a job in November of that year. And the business manager that hired me, he was new to the office. He had just been elected in June. He uh, was, was almost immediately diagnosed with the lung cancer. And, uh, you know, he, he was sick from that point on for a good, good while. And so I almost immediately took over the duties of business manager. Oh, how'd your uh, brother feel about you jumping on. over him? Uh, you know, he, well, I don't know. You'd have to ask him, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think he felt that. I mean, you know, obviously the president's job in the laborers is, a uh, you know, chairing the meetings, uh, co-signing the, for the expenditures, that type of thing. It, uh, you know, it's not representational. So, uh, you know, he never had an interest in uh, serving as, as business manager, although uh, uh, two other brothers of mine did serve as business manager later. Oh, OK. It's a family affair over there. Uh, yeah, but not not before. You know, many people come into uh, uh, come into leadership and the laborers that way because they're familiar with it. They know you know, uh, what to expect. I, my, my father, who, uh, you know, was a 50 year member, uh, had not been in leadership. He had been a, a labor foreman, a concrete, uh, foreman worked on lots of big jobs, but he had never ran for office or held office in the local. 
I think you'll find talking to many of us that that is sort of how we get our start uh, coming into the union. I am a second generation laborer. My dad is part of the Layuna International Union and a member of 423 in Columbus and told us about the great opportunities that are in the union. So I think that it's just, you know, word of mouth through the family and we see how hard our family members work. And, you know, how fortunate they are to be rewarded for that work that, you know, we end up getting into it ourselves. Uh, I absolutely agree, Bethany. So then you were a business manager for a while. Now, here in Ohio, a lot of our work is uh, heavy highway construction. We do do some building work and pipeline distribution work. Uh, What was the work like in Tennessee that you were dealing with? And did you have a good market share or how was that? So it's, you know, it's a funny thing. Most people don't don't realize, but... uh, Prior to, to to the time when I was business manager, say up before the 1980s, lots of the cities in the South, uh, lots of the construction work was done union, uh, pretty high density. Most of them did not do heavy highway. They, uh, but the building construction was was pretty substantial. Uh, industrial work was uh, almost exclusively, uh, you know, done union. So in in my local union. Uh, for example, I think uh, back in the se- late 70s, 3,000 members in my local 846 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, you know, there were there. It had been heavy market share, but there was a lot of events that took place. Uh, you know, that were that kind of shifted that in the early 80s. And uh, so, by the time by the time I became business manager in the 1990s, uh, it was building work, it was power plant work, um, industrial uh, maintenance. Uh, that was generally the the type of work we did. Okay. And then after your stint as business manager at the local, you became the Tennessee district council business manager, correct? Yep. That's right. I currently work for the district council manager here in Ohio, and I can only imagine uh, what it was like working under you, Steve. You're so nice and charming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> and I think I first met you about 12 years ago when I started, and you were then working for the uh, regional office that was based out of Tennessee at the time. And how did you well, move from district council to OVSSR? Uh, so I guess it was about uh, 2000. The uh, The regional office had been uh, located in, in Atlanta, actually, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and it relocated to Nashville, um, about then, uh, I guess, well, I'd actually went on the international staff as an international rep prior to that. But when the regional manager, the general president relocated the office back to Nashville, that's when I became assistant regional manager. And that was under James Hale at the time? Yep. Yep. James was uh, the my mentor, the, the guy at the district council that brought me along, the guy I challenged at the uh, convention. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you've known James a long time. Uh, yeah, most of my most of my career. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And All then, of my career, I guess. Uh, and then following, then you followed, I guess, um, the regional office when it came here to Cincinnati and Ohio. And that was, oh, gosh, I'm going to totally get this date wrong. I'm guessing 2013, 2012? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it was kind of gradual. So there was, for a while, we operated dual offices. So... Not sure about when the overlap was, but yeah. 
Now, can you explain some of the work that the regional office does? Here on the podcast, we've discussed um, the district council and a bunch of the different funds, um, but we really haven't touched on what the regional office does, which is just a little bit step above the Labor's District Council of Ohio. It's the best way to explain it. Everything that goes up to headquarters from the field comes through the uh, regional office, and everything that comes from headquarters to the field generally comes through the regional office going back the other way. So it's, it's a vehicle, I think. Yeah, because when we're working at the district council, a lot of times um, for international agreements like the pipeline agreements, I'll get rate sheets coming from the regional office that we'll sign on, then sign off, send them back to you guys, and you'll shoot them up to headquarters uh, to get them put on the website and to get those uh, agreements um, ratified. So similar stuff like that, correct? Yeah, same same thing. And I think, um, you know, much like uh, the district council in Ohio uh, administers the heavy highway agreement. Uh, for the state and on behalf of the affiliates, the international agreements, the international administers uh, that way. And so, you know, you have to communicate, exchange information and coordinate activities. And then just recently, I mean, within the last five years, uh, you joined the general president staff uh, at the international. Can you tell us a little bit about that position and some of the uh, hats that you wear at that job? So, yeah, it's actually uh, it's actually been a great um uh, experience being at, at headquarters and seeing that facet of it. I mean, obviously, I've been around a few years and I've uh, had some experience, but it uh, uh, being at headquarters physically is is has been important um, because you get to see a lot of the perspective of of the international, particularly a legislative standpoint. And as executive director, I oversee three departments at headquarters. And that's uh, the construction department, which administers the national agreements you just mentioned, uh, along with jurisdiction and uh, some other things. Uh, and then I have the organizing department that uh, coordinates organizing activities throughout the international. Um, and also the corporate affairs department, which is, um, I guess the best way to explain it is uh, Everything from analyzing uh, investments of projects and and opportunities that are gonna you know that are gonna be built that are being developed, and coordinating that with our own pension investments. So uh, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it uh, because uh, it's a it's a point of view and from a scale that there uh, was a new challenge for me. So so I've enjoyed that. Excellent. Now, when I try and explain to our members uh, what LIUNA is, I say, you know, it's our parent organization. And to me, it seems like all of our, like you said, affiliates down from the regional office, district council, down to even our local unions are sort of based on um, the hierarchy that's there. The president, you know, secretary, treasurer, executive board, auditors, um, things like that. So LIUNA to me is just sort of what all the little ones are based off and you do a lot of sort of the foundational work for us um, over, you know, the whole uh, continent, I guess. No, because it's not Mexico. So the country (laughs) in Canada, I got to get better in geography. I was an accounting major. Um, Well, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know. When I was in school, they call it Central America. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) North America. Yeah. We're North America. There you go. I I think that's a fair assessment. You know, the, the, the structure itself is actually laid out uh, by the Department of Labor. I mean, they identify uh, unions on three levels. So everything's either a, uh, even though unions may use different names, whether it's a lodge or a, 
you know, have different different nomenclature, but there's an international or parent organization, a intermediate body, which is a district council, and a local union, uh, you know, which is uh, you know in a particular area. So uh, our our organization is like every other organization in that regard, uh, and that's you know how we we make our own uh, regulations and uh, govern ourselves is through that structure. Now, one of the big things that has been coming out of Washington, D.C., where Lyuna is headquartered, um, is talk about the infrastructure bill. And can you give me a little bit more background on what we're, you know, working towards to get that passed and, you know, what General President O'Sullivan um, is doing on our behalf of our members to get that passed and to get our members put to work? I sure can. And that's a good segue. You know, that's probably a good illustration about where the uh, of a issue where the international is, uh, you know, well placed to advocate. Obviously, uh, you know, being in the nation's capital, being in Washington D.C., uh, having a legislative team, having our own lobbyists, and our own relationships. Uh, one of the most important functions of the international is lobbying on federal legislation here, and that affects everybody. Um, and a bipartisan infrastructure. Uh, uh, bill is the best example in years we've had of a clean, clear-cut issue for the laborers uh, to advocate for. And there's no louder advocate than uh, Terry O'Sullivan, the general president of the laborers. Uh, And he's made it clear, you know, the bipartisan Senate passed this bill um, in early August, right? And it could have been passed already by the uh, by the House of Representatives, but the politics is engaged in such a way that it's being it's been held hostage, frankly, uh, in order to get the reconciliation bill, which is, you know, got a lot of great things in it. And that would be nice. uh, And it would be some additional infrastructure spending there. But the bipartisan infrastructure uh, uh, bill is clearly just work for our members. And it's good for our country. I mean, that's why it's bipartisan. Uh, there's work that's uh, that, that needs to be done in this country that uh, is failing. You know, our roads, our bridges, our water uh, uh, service, our uh, airports, our electrical grid. Those are things that, uh, you know, protect us as a country that serve our economy. They serve our businesses, serve our people. And most people recognize that those are investments we need to make. And that's been a uh, that's been a long time coming. I mean, this this plan itself uh, would be the single largest investment uh, in roads and bridges since the construction of the interstate highway system. You know, and that took place over a period of time, but mostly in the 1950s uh, when they were building up the interstate highway system. Uh, it would uh, it would be the single largest investment in clean water, uh, clean drinking water. Uh, to our families and eliminate lead pipes like those that were, uh, uh, you know, such a horrific problem in Michigan. It would be the single largest investment to modernize our power grid in in American history. And that's desperately needed. All the talk about energy sources, whether it's, you know, renewables, whether it's um, electrification, whether it's uh, traditional carbon fuel, that, that energy has to be moved from place to place. And, uh, you know, it's fine if we're constructing uh, windmills off the East Coast 
uh, wind turbines, excuse me. But if you can't transport that energy to a place where it's most needed, then it's it's not going to be as effective as a substitute uh, for traditional carbon. So our power grid is extremely important. If the light switch goes on, if the heat works, if everything is uh, working as it should, we don't give it a second thought. We all uh, go about our day. But there are important infrastructure systems that that make that happen, whether it's the, the electricity getting delivered to your home or it's uh, the bread getting delivered to your local market. You know, uh, all of those things have to be transported and many of them are, uh, you know, moved through a public infrastructure system that, you know, people can argue about what role the role of government. But these are things that that the government clearly has a role in establishing for all of us and that we all benefit from. During this pandemic, you know, that we have been experienced for almost two years now, the Wi-Fi has been so important for kids learning, for people continuing to be in their jobs. And, you know, a lot of places are struggling. You know, kids are going to their local McDonald's to get, to be able to hook into Wi-Fi to go to school. And I believe in this infrastructure bill, there's an exorbitant amount of money. There is. So there is a huge investment in broadband in this. And that Again, that's a that's a um, uh, you're right. We're all trying to do business, uh, whether this medium that, that we're on today, we're all figuring out how to do that. That's how business has to be done today. And so communities, whether it's children, whether it's businesses, whether it's workers that, that, that don't have the access to that uh, are all going to pay a price for it. And here's the other thing. If you want to measure it any other way, the other countries around the world are investing in their physical infrastructure. And not only their infrastructure, they're investing in other countries' infrastructure so that they have access to uh, minerals uh, or, you know, uh, uh, metals that are going to be used in batteries or in computers or in phones or that kind of thing. So the physical infrastructure supports everything else that that we have going on. And in this country is uh, we've taken several steps back in that. And. You know, the, the outcome is, of course, for us and as laborers, our interest is, you know, having our country secure, having a robust economy. But this delivers directly jobs to us. This is not indirect. This is not something that's going to come years down the road. Um, we hope it'll create jobs and, and you know, successful jobs down the road. But this will put uh, hundreds of thousands of laborers to work. Can you tell us some of the things that Layuna is doing to try and get this bill uh, pushed and passed? Everything, everything possible. I mean, you know, our our goal last month was to, uh, you know, encourage the, the leadership in Congress to take up uh, the, the bill, uh, regardless, separate apart from the reconciliation bill. And uh, there was a deadline set where we thought that was that was going to happen uh, uh, at the end of last month. It didn't happen. And uh, we were terribly disappointed uh, from that. You know, we've pivoted from that and we've, uh, you know, we've been pretty aggressive calling people out, um, you know, that are some are allies on other issues. Some are, uh, you know, support many uh, issues that, that we have, but none are more important than this. And so, you know, we've been front and center, you know, easily the most vocal union and, and by far the most vocal building trade union out there. Um, it's just it's just such a easy issue for us to advocate for because it's 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 clean it's it's uh, put, puts laborers to work and you know Bethany when it, when a laborer goes to work I and mean, this is the the way I've always uh, 
explained it to people. When a laborer goes to work, everything else happens. Health and welfare, health insurance gets, you know, gets paid. Retirement benefits get paid. Training benefits get paid. They accumulate, you know, uh, unemployment insurance. They, they are able to buy clothes for their kids. They put food on the table. And these are real tangible benefits that go to our workers, our members, and our communities. That uh, So when we're advocating for a job, that's what we're advocating for. I mean, when, the, when that project is released because of this, uh, because of this bill, and those projects are let, they call the union all, and, and you know people put their boots on, and they go to work. And all those things I described happen after that. And that's what we're, that's what we're about. Yeah, when people are working, the economy is stimulated. That money is going directly back into their pockets and also the economy. So it seems like a no-brainer. And, you know, I've seen a lot of the efforts that Lyanna is doing. Um, I see a lot of the Facebook posts of all the locals who are meeting with their um, representatives and trying to get that pushed. We're doing that in Ohio. And, you know, I don't know how many times we can say it. It truly is a no-brainer to get this passed. And, you know, you hear about infrastructure, and I like, I'm like. i really glad that you sort of explained what that all means because a lot of the time people do just think, oh, bridges and roads. Well, it really encompasses a whole lot of things. You mentioned renewable energy, and I know that's something that Lyona is also pushing, you know, trying to get us um, on these solar farms and because there's a lot of them popping up in the state of Ohio and we're trying to get in there and get project labor agreements on these solar farms. And that's something that Lyuna is encouraging um, our local unions to do throughout the country, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, even going back to the, uh, uh, to the legislative effort. So one of the things that, uh, um, you know, we are advocating for, is labor standards within those incentives. There's a lot, lot of incentives in some of this legislation for developers, for uh, producers of, uh, of energy to uh, create new uh, uh, renewable projects. Now, those projects look much different than traditional energy jobs did for us. You know, building a natural gas pipeline for us is, is great work for laborers. Uh, building and maintaining a, a coal-fired power plant is a, is a great work for us. But those things are, uh, you know, fading to some degree. Uh, certainly coal-fired power plants are being closed every day. And the new reality is that something is going to take its place. And renewable energy is, is, you know, that's where we're focused because that's where the jobs are. They're not going to be the same jobs we've had in the past. And they may not be exactly the same people doing it. But it is uh, a good chunk of laborers' work, and if we can incentivize that work be done with fair labor standards, then we can uh, prevent it from being done by low road contractors and uh, you know uh, poor labor standards. And certainly, if the if the government's involved in funding it, we want to be a, a voice to make sure that uh, uh, that those roads that those jobs are good jobs, good jobs and safe jobs. Um, One of the things just yesterday, um, I sat in on a hearing for House Bill 235 here in Ohio, and that has to deal with the refineries that are in the Lima in Toledo area. They were recently taken over um, by an out-of-state contractor, and they are no longer using union laborers. They're putting in, you know, guys off the street to come in and do this work. That's incredibly dangerous, and you have to be skilled. And that's one of the important things that, you know, we press here 
Laborers are skilled craftspeople. These are people that know safety. These are people that know a skill and a job and are trained to do it right. So it's, you know, that talks about getting down the ground level of solar. We want to make sure these jobs are done correctly and that they're done safely. And again, those seem like no brainers to me also. I'm off my soapbox. Sorry. No, that's a good soapbox. Uh, It is usually about the money. uh, And, you know, unfortunately, that's, uh, you know, that's where we're at. But that's why, you know, it's great to have an organization that gives voice to those workers in those conversations. Uh, and sometimes sometimes we're we're pretty effective about having uh, having that voice heard. Uh, you know, those workers that don't have a union out there, um, they 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 don't have that opportunity. They don't even have the opportunity to, you know, speak up for safety without fear of losing your job. I mean, that's a very that's a very uh, simple thing we take for granted on many of our jobs. But if you think about it, if you're one worker out there on a on a construction job today, non-union, and, uh, you know, you, you see something unsafe, you know, you really have to think about, okay, is that worth, you know, bringing to attention, you know, keeping somebody from getting hurt, or I may lose my job if I do that. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, generally we don't have to, we don't have to deal with that. And or if, if we do run into it, we've got a means for dealing with it. We have such an advocacy behind our members from our international Layuna through the regional office and all these other avenues that, you know, we always have folks that have um, our members back. Uh, Steve, you wear mer- many hats, so I'm sure you have to get back to something. Is there anything else you want to talk about before I let you go today? Uh, no, Bethany, thanks for having me. I look forward to coming back sometime uh, in the future. And uh and talking about many more other things, maybe even talking about success of this uh, bipartisan infrastructure uh, plan. Oh, fingers that crossed. Be, uh, that would be uh, something to celebrate for all of us. So, Hopefully that'll be sooner thank rather you. than later, Steve. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you, Bethany. For more information about Layuna and Steve Farner, you can go to our show notes. And if you like this episode of Ohio Labor's Union and You, make sure you share it with your friends and your family. I'm your host, Bethany Billy. Views and comments on this program may not be those of the Ohio Labor's District Council or of LIUNA. This has been a Down with the Dig production.